Hi, this is Justin DeLisi of Neck Diagrams, and you're listening to GMI. Hello there, this is Jed Brocky from GMI. This is podcast episode number 39. Have you ever wondered about software developers thinking that it's an easy way to make a huge amount of money in a reasonably short space of time? Well, perhaps this podcast will show you or at least explain to you that it's not as easy as it seems. Justin DeLisi creates a marvellous piece of software for the guitar called Net Diagrams, and he's just released edition number two. If you're a guitar player who likes to write down the chords and scales that you create for your songs, even if you're a publisher, just like here at GMI, we use Net Diagrams on a daily basis. It's that good. I'm a Version 2 is just taking a huge upward stride in its capabilities and its offerings. I'm going to be talking to Justin about his life as a musician, as a guitar player, what got him into actually creating this program, and you'll find out how tricky it actually is to create a software program, then market it, all the different things you've got to do to get a business off the ground. Just by listening to this podcast, you can get 15% off the GMI Guitar Shop. Go along to gmiguitarshop.com. We have lots of material there, including lessons, complete books, even mugs, printed books, audio, you name it. We've got it all there over at the GMI Guitar Shop. You just need to select the things that you're interested in and then put capital GMI and the number 01 in the coupon code and you'll get 15% off. How good is that? So, without any more chat from me, let's listen to the interview and you'll find out all about neck diagrams. Justin, welcome to the GMI podcast. It's uh, fantastic to meet you at last. Hi, Jed. Yeah, it's great, great to be on. Um, yeah, we've been trying to put this interview together for quite some time and I'm absolutely delighted that you speak with me and speak to the listeners of GMI because you are all about an amazing program called Neck Diagrams, which has certainly changed my life in terms of publishing for the guitar. And I know the people out there are going to love what you've got to say. <laughs> so uh, the first thing... I'd like to ask you is, uh, I can see a guitar in the background, um, obviously the listeners can't, and amps and various things. Are you a full-time musician? No, no. Um, musician, hobbyist, obviously we would love to have become a full-time musician. I did I did ditch my day job for a year, when was this, back in 2006, I decided, I realised I wasn't getting any progress with, what, 30, 60 minutes of practice a week. I was certainly not going to turn into Joe Satriani like that. Uh, I just thought, sod it, uh, I'll take a year off work, um, saved up a bit of money, keep paying the bills, and thought, well, I'll take this, uh, I'll take a year off. And I went to Guitar Institute, now called ICMP, and did uh, the one-year diploma. Is that in North London? Yes, yeah, exactly. It was actually the year they moved, so uh, we started off in Acton, and then I think the last term we had over in uh, Kilburn, yeah. How did you find that? Uh, well, I, I was expecting it to be uh, you know, um, a load of fun, nice, easy year, uh, but it was bloody hard work. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you get out of that then? I learned how much, that's the thing, isn't it? It's the old philosophical thing is uh, we, we only know what we don't know, and, and that really pointed out all the stuff that I, I didn't know, and I thought I was uh, fairly competent at the time, but um, 
I was really only scratching the surface, you know, so I mean, it, was, it started off with really easy stuff with sort of 60s pop kind of soul stuff, progressed through sort of rock, you know, not doing country. I, I, you know, I never really played any country before and ended up you know, doing jazz in the last term, which is obviously someone who hasn't listened to jazz. It's just a complete head job, chords changing twice every bar or whatever it is at the time. And it was, yeah, ended up um, with all the practicing, ended up with tennis elbow in the end. So. Oh, dear. So... <laughs> So it was, it was hard work, but yeah, it was good fun. Do you play in bands, or I take it you have played in bands? I have, yeah, I have in the past. Um, so, like my musical background, I started off on piano years and years ago. I don't know when I was like seven or something like that. Enjoyed that, but this this school changed the teacher, um, so I had like a cool younger guy who was teaching me, and then changed it for uh, some very old lady who um, was very strict, and I didn't enjoy it anymore. Did she have horn rim spectacles? Uh, horns or horn ring spectacles (laughs) 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 did she have the ruler was she battering you with the ruler (laughs) yeah I don't think she might have had something like that yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's that that, yeah change days that would put anyone off it Uh, and and what happened after that then what did I do after that so I did was it the trumpet I think it was the I can't remember it must have been the violin next I think my my mum was a fan of the violin so she said well have a, have a crack at the violins. I did that for a bit, but then again, the school got in the way because I was like doing my grade one, really advanced stuff, and the, the school, the music director said, well, you need to you need to join the school orchestra. So there, there I am, they're chucking grade three or four pieces at me. Uh, I'm effectively sitting there, and this is lunchtime practice, right? So not only is it taking away my valuable playtime as a, as a, I don't know, 10 or 11-year-old, I'm also trying to play stuff. I have no hope in hell of playing so, Half of the time, I'm sitting there miming, pretending I'm actually playing, and hoping no one can can not hear me, not play, kind of thing, and realise what's going on. So yeah, that that uh, that went downhill rapidly as well once that happened. And I think the, the music, the guy, the music teachers there, they sort of realised I had some kind of interest in music because I keep sort of gravitating towards it. Uh, so they said, "Oh, here, have a trumpet, try this." <laughs> so completely different. Uh, thing again but um yeah that was good i enjoyed that for a while the only reason i stopped playing that was because one day and this is like as a teenager now one day my dad comes home and guess what he brings home in this strange looking box it uh, happened to be an electric guitar no less wow what made your dad do that that's an amazing uh, thing to I do i think his dad one of his mates at work was was selling one off basically i think he picked it up for like 50 quid do you remember what it was no the very first one i can't remember it was a complete plank was that a hondo no, that's the first one I ever had. <laughs> I don't know. I'd, I'd have to sit and meditate for half an hour before this one pops into my head. Like like we were saying earlier about with the kids, you know, you know memory of a goldfish these days. I can't remember what I had for lunch two hours ago, let alone you know what what happened. As soon as you started playing that guitar, were you smitten? Pretty much. I mean, I remember because I, I also so he didn't have an amp at the time. But I didn't have an amp, and uh, we went to like some music shop. And we picked up the cheapest amp we could find, and it turned out. Well, I didn't know about things called channels and overdrive, but I got really miffed that you can't get this sort of rock sound out of it, this sort of bluesy kind of, you know, I don't know, this is back in the 80s, so I must have been listening to sort of top 40 type stuff, but at the time you had like Gary Moore, Thin Lizzy in, in the charts and stuff, so, you know, I was listening to, starting to listen to that kind of thing. Yeah, and then it was, I couldn't get that sound, so getting a bit upset, um, but still sort of plugging away. I also had... What was the book? Some guy called Harvey. I remember the name of the book. I can't remember the guitar, but there's a book called Harvey Vincent, uh, lead guitar. So that that was very kind of like 60s, 70s kind of 
started off with riffs kind of stuff, but I don't know. I, I couldn't somehow get into the book. I didn't know about string bending and whatnot. Isn't it amazing how the culture has changed now? Back then, information was so much harder really to come yeah. by. Exactly. And now, despite the fact that there's so much information out there, so many people don't make use of it. But it, it they wouldn't believe they wouldn't believe yeah. you if you told them what it were like back in the day. <laughs> yeah. exactly. I, mean, I know people must still get read these interviews with I don't know Michael Schenker and Paul Gilbert where they're playing their vinyl records and and slowing them down to 17 RPM or whatever it is, and then wearing them out. This stuff happened. You know, you didn't have all the software that, that slows stuff down like these days. Don't you think that was part of why so many people became so good? I remember doing exactly the same for transcriptions, wearing out records, moving the needle back, listening again and again and again. You don't need to do that now, so you don't need to foster or get those skills to a higher level. Uh, yeah, I get that comes down to the availability of information, right? So who people realise the benefit of actually transcribing, working things out for yourself or if you just download a tab and, and try and, and play from the tab, which uh, amount to be gained in, in knowledge from actually working this stuff out for yourself if you can and uh, getting help when you get stuck. I remember when I was a kid, there was a, a record store around the corner from me and I went in one day and I, I couldn't believe it. It was a cavernous sort of place with a really low ceiling. It was huge. This is in Edinburgh. And I found the double album Led Zeppelin, the song remains the same. Mm. It was a double album. I, I think that's the title of it. I was so excited. I think it was £3.25, which <laughs> was a lot of money back then. I so I basically, I didn't eat my lunch for three days because I got 50 pence a day. And then I got some money off my mum and I went back to that shop three days later and I'm scrabbling all around and I was heartbroken because it was sold and then at the last moment I found it uh -huh. and you know I, I looked at those uh, liner notes all the way home and I literally played that album through nowadays if you want that double album you just go on iTunes download it next that's yeah that's definitely something I'll agree I miss I miss a lot the um, the whole experience of buying and finding and buying music that was just completely different but yeah the, the whole availability now does remove, I think, in my view, some of the magic. It's just sort of too easy to get stuff. And yet, that availability is a double-edged sword in a positive yeah. way as well, isn't it? Like I say, double-edged sword, it's pros and cons to everything, basically. So, so at what point did you realise that perhaps you weren't going to be a pro musician? Because no doubt you were thinking you wanted to be one. Well, exactly. After school, so did A-levels and then shipped out to university I and mean, obviously before university I was like thinking after the A-levels I could take a year out then and, and uh, this was when GGIT was still in they had a school in London I don't remember they closed it but uh, they had a school in London I thought yeah I'll, I'll take a year gap year go to GIT in London uh, and really get good that was the tagline I think wasn't it get good yeah. but no this is the parents get in the way don't they of course so they said no we're not doing that get Guitar. a real job yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, you know you've got to go to university. What, what do you mean, uh, play guitar? That's that's just that's just fun, isn't it? You, you do that in the spare time. So yeah, after university, sort of played into bands and stuff. So it's basically after that, after university, well, I, I thought again after university maybe I'll do it, but you know, move back home, get a job, just doesn't happen basically at that point. So several years after working, it just sort of dawned on me and I was taking private lessons but no, not really getting anywhere and getting frustrated usual sort of story and just thought you know the best way how, how can I really focus this and concentrate it into as quick as short a time as possible 
Yeah, and I thought, well, I'll do that. I mean, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, uh, I mean, at the time, I was very much a um, yeah, into the whole shred stuff, metal shred, blah, blah, blah. So maybe, I don't know, to, I mentioned Satriani, you know, Satriani via, that was the sort of stuff I really wanted to play. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I could have taken a different angle because the, the benefit of the course was that you learn a whole wide range of stuff, which is, uh, which is fantastic. You sort of realize what it is to be a musician as such instead of just uh, someone practicing scales in their bedroom. You know, something that I tell my own students is to take all those influences of people that you admire, whatever style or genre, Mm. And then mix that with your own experience and become your own voice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, certainly having uh, gone on the course, there's like music I would never have really listened to much. But, you know, you end up playing, learning these songs. They're not, they're not in your CD library, basically, at the time. And, and you, you wouldn't think of, of getting them. I mean, that's the other benefit of being having this music so readily available now is that you can try so many different things uh, and find stuff that you actually like that, uh, that you might not. I mean, there was one track I absolutely loved. I remember now, Reggae. Was it Jimmy Cliff, The Harder They Fall or something yeah. like that? I remember. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I really love that. So, you know, some of the reggae stuff, I'm now listening to that. I don't know, maybe that took me back to the old 80s days with sort of scar and, and madness and all these guys. I don't know, but yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> so what do you do now? Now I do neck diagrams. And that's your full-time... You know, after two kids as well, yeah. Yeah, so, well... I'm exactly, also... so coming back to neck diagrams, so if we sort of continue the timeline, so there was after university, get a job, boring, 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 trying to play guitar, ended up... I don't know, that's the thing, I was compensating for not being able to play with, with buying lots of guitars. I've, I've got a bit of a collection up in the attic where I've got... Because what you see, there's the one back down here, as I've got Strat down here. Um, but I've got, a, there must be about 10, 10 in boxes upstairs that well, I have no, well, they have to be safe from the kids, right? So my two-year-old has, has started uh, strumming that thing and trying to pull the strings off. Oh, yeah, touching all sorts of bits. And there's bits of, obviously, you get strings. Difficult sometimes to cut them off at the, uh, the tuners, so they, they end up uh, cutting themselves on this, the bits poking out. So if there were too many down here, they'd either be all over the floor and in pieces, Pete Townsend style, you know. I don't know. I was going to say Jimi Hendrix, but hopefully he wouldn't set fire to them. Yes. We've got any matches at the house. <laughs> um, How did the idea of neck diagrams then come around? Yeah, that came about 2007. I must have started work on it. So six 2006, I did the course. 2007, back to work uh, early in the year. Um, so 2007, I would have started on this back then, in the middle of the year. I don't know, after about like three or six months. So uh, after the course, uh, me and my mate, we were going to, they, they have like week-long courses over in Bath, or they were in Bath. I oh, think. right, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Future Publishing Bunch. What are they called? Mind a blank. Goldfish again. Is it the guys from Future Yeah, Podcast? yeah, exactly. Jason Sidwell and yeah. uh, um, so exactly yeah, one of the guys, uh, Darius Dario Cortese from from ICMP actually that does jazz stuff. John uh, Wheatcroft. Yeah. Uh, they're all, they're all these, these sort of like top top shoot guys. They basically everyone buggers off for a week and you play guitar intensely and, and jam in the evening. So yeah, that that was great fun. And I was sort of showing I'd got started on this thing and had a bit of progress after three six months and and. Um, so I had my laptop with me at this course and I was showing it to John and some of the other guys. I said, oh yeah, this, this is pretty interesting. It was really, 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 really basic. Obviously back then you could like point and click on the fretboard and that was about it, I think. You couldn't really do anything else. There wasn't much to configure. But he said, yeah, no, that, that, looks, that looks good. Can I have a copy as well? So all, all these people started saying, yeah, I'd like to, uh, to play with that, have a go with it. So I thought, okay, I'll carry on with it, plug on. And I thought, well, maybe I can see if there's life and some life in this thing and see if I can try and sell it. 
And it took me about 18 months to get to version 1.0, I think 18 months. And that was that was a hard 18 months because basically giving up any kind of social life, any non so yeah, basically it was work, come home from work, whip out the laptop, uh, get cracking on this other thing. And so, Without getting too technical, Justin, yeah. what were the main challenges in programming neck diagrams? I don't know, it's a good question. Yeah, the idea of it being very kind of point and click and very visual the way you actually do it, because most of the, the software I've seen out there, it's all fixed. So you have like a, I don't know, a window with a fretboard in it, and you've just got one fretboard. You just choose a scale or a chord and it shows it to you. There's no, you're not doing anything with the fretboard. It's, it's not interactive that way. It's just sort of showing you stuff, which obviously there's, there's tons of stuff out there like that. And I, I wanted it to be, like I sort of mentioned uh, in an email recently, that it, it's basically, it's kind of like PowerPoint for uh, for guitarists. So you can totally open-ended and flexible. You you write what you want. So you're not, you don't just say, show me this or show me that. It's totally up to you. You have a, blank page you put on it what you want um it's totally up to you what, what you want to to write down effectively doing that is actually quite hard so i mean i started off from from first principles as it were so this this whole sort of drag and drop rubber banding things resizing is actually a shitload of hard work it's what language programming language it's written in java so that's what i was doing at the time that's what frameworks were uh, and I was using this new, well, to me it was a new um, sort of graphics library called SWT, which which basically maps down. It, it's different to regular Java because regular Java basically draws uh, all the controls and the widgets. It draws everything. It pretends to be the native system by just drawing stuff that looks like it. But this other one, it maps down to actually underneath it's calling native code so the operating system draws all the controls on the screen and, and what have you so it's 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 much more uh, native looking than, than regular java applications so what was taking up you said you for 18 months you were just you know working getting home having your tea and then yeah. programming and going to bed yeah what was the bulk of all of that work around was there a specific area that was doing your Hidden. I said, I'd, have to, I'd have to go back and have a look at no, so far up version 1.0 and try and remember that. Exactly, that's, that's part of the fun. I mean, when you're writing stuff in Java, you know, the benefit is you write it run once and you can run it everywhere. That's that's what they try and promote it as. But uh, the, the from the developer point of view, they have a different kind of uh, adage where it's write once and debug everywhere, right? You get slightly different problems on all the platforms you try and run it on. So, you know, making sure everything is running because it's obviously for Mac and Windows, uh, making sure everything works the same on, on both of them so compatibility is the big issue well no i wouldn't say that's that's the big issue it's, it's just writing all the features so it's also with, with version one it was kind of like an organic uh, design i didn't sit there for three months and plan everything out i sort of start going on in, in this direction and decide no don't like that sort of scrap it try something else you know writing writing software actually is is quite a, a labor intensive process a lot more than uh, i think people realize and doing it yourself i mean if, you, if, it, if there was a team of people that would obviously help but so uh, basically 1.0 well, up until for, for many number of years it was basically all off my own back so not only having the software ready right so i had to do website marketing graphic stuff organizing translations you know there's, there's a lot of going on behind the scenes that you don't generally see and, and don't think about as such the marketing uh, that's uh, i really loved the um, the image that you had on 1.0 i actually thought it was an american company but you did all the all of those designs everything 
No, 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 no. Well, no, I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did. So the application graphics is down, was down to me, but stuff on the website. Are you talking about the two dudes? Yes. Yes, the dudes. So exactly. I don't know. Um, Guitar Techniques magazine. So you must have read um, Sean Baxter's columns. I know Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. So he always has like a doodle, like a graphic relating to the article. Uh, and I absolutely love those um, those doodles, the uh, the artwork, characters that he was doing. So he'd always do like caricatures of famous players, uh, or Sean himself sometimes. And so yeah, I basically contacted the guy that uh, did that and uh, commissioned him to do my my two guys, the Jazzer and the Shredder guy. Yeah, they've taken a bit of a back seat now because I mean, you say you love them. I I absolutely love them as well. But yes, some people, some feedback was that, oh, they don't look very professional. You know, this, this site looks... Looks uh, a bit, you know, not not very pro. So they, yeah, they're, they're slowly taking a back seat more and more. I did think that the website was quirky and kind of homegrown, but that was part of its charm. I do think with the release of neck diagrams too, it looks so much more sort of corporate, if you want, and professional. But I liked the, the quirkiness and the you could see that it was a labour of love. This wasn't just some big company with loads and loads of people in it. And I think that was for me part of the charm as someone who's running a business kind of like you're running a business exactly yeah so we, version two out finally in march it's um i had planned to have a complete revamp of the website and redo it because it's it is um creaking and uh, old and, and a bit rusty and it needs a lot of love and that's that's one of the uh missions at the moment well before we get on to it too let's talk about one because there's so much to talk about in one mm. how was it received when it was released and how did you get the word out there and what sort of feedback and numbers were coming through for you and when did you realize actually there's something in this yeah version one went out uh, on sale it was march 2009 so it's literally version two is t- 10 years after 1.0 which is just insane exactly it's i mean we're getting word out. i don't know I, I didn't really do a huge amount of marketing i don't think i mean i had i had a website up and was offering like a beta so some people would try to try out the beta so i had a to people who had been testing earlier on i don't know i think it was mainly word of mouth quite quite organic so people posting on forums that they found this thing blah 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 but i don't know it was just whenever there was a sale you get an email in the early days of, of smartphones so like it was 2007 the first iphone came out for example so it's just like a couple of years after that so i think i was an iphone junkie at the time and it was great i know it was fantastic being in the pub once it was released and, and all of a sudden you get this email pop up on the phone it's it's a sale and just the, the rush you get when it's like wow someone's actually uh, thinks this is good enough to actually buy and, and pay pay some money for, and you think, wow, that, that's uh, that's just. Did you immediately buy all, spend all the profits and buying all your friends a celebrity celebratory drink? Uh, yeah, probably in those days, exactly. Yeah, like next rounds on me. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> so, did it start to build up steam, or is it? It was a gradual drip, drip, drip. It's not been as fast as I would like, because um, that's the other downside of being a like single person, well, I was going to say startup, but it's not really a kind of startup. I think the term uh, they use in, in the uh, in the world is bootstrapping, where you're funding it yourself. You're not getting any investment from other people and that kind of thing. So doing everything off your own back. Uh, yeah, not as far as I'd like. That's the, the downside is I'm a, a developer, so I really enjoy writing code. The, the sort of marketing angle is a bit sort of black magic-y and not quite as much fun. So I, yeah, I've not focused enough on that, and that's definitely something I'm going to be aiming to rectify now because I've put, uh, well, 
yeah, in the last few years. So I mentioned the kids. Ever since uh, number two came along, or before number two, I realised um, I'm not going to be able to to finish this or have enough time. Once he comes along uh, with two kids, it's just going to be really hard. So I ended up um, expanding the team. I mean, I had I took someone on several years ago. So once I realised it's time to start working on features for version two, I had a part-time guy from some other part of the world uh, helping out, but things didn't really progress fast enough. So back in, when was it, 16, 17? I don't even know what the year is now. It must have been in 17, so I decided to take on, I was going to take on another guy part-time, but I thought, oh, what the hell, baby's coming along, uh, second second child, and it's going to be crazy for a bit. So I'll take on, so I found two really good candidates, and I thought, so I'll take them take them both on, push a stack of cash into this, and take them on, uh, one of them full-time, one of them part-time. And maybe in, in six months' time, uh, we'll have version two ready. So that, <laughs> that was the. Uh, so what were they tasked with doing, Justin? What were their jobs? Well, the first the first uh, area was was rewriting the file handling, which is something you've uh, you mentioned before on, on in the review. That that was a, a massive amount of work. So yeah, because the file handling system was basically you know even though I say the first version was eighteen months. There's just so many different things you need to handle when, when releasing the application, what it's got to do. There's, there's so many different moving parts to it. So the file handling was done uh, in a way as to be done as quickly as possible so, so it, it works. And so there's this idea of minimum viable product, right, MVP, so you can get version 1.0 out as quickly to people and then you know whether there's, there's any mileage in it if... Uh, no, you don't. You don't spend ten years on something if uh, if it's not going to sell, right? It's not a case of what's the old Kevin Costner quote: "Water world, build it, and they will come." Right, well, it was field the dreams actually, but field the dreams. Some of Kevin Costner. <laughs> I think Waterworld was ah glug glug glug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to basically strip out uh, a huge amount of code and rewrite it from scratch. And there's there's just so many different scenarios you have to take care of like if someone because now obviously the file handling it's under the end user's control right so you, you could have a file open in neck diagrams uh you could go to the, the your explorer or whatever or finder and basically delete that file whilst it's still open in the application right and you have to handle these kind of situations so there's there's tons of corner cases like that that you have to um gracefully handle so it sounds a nightmare <laughs> yeah exactly uh, yeah and there's always some some case that pops up someone's done something and uh, you realize it's not handled so you know you've, you've got to fix stuff like that so so are both of these additional people working on programming for you Yes, yeah, exactly. That was on the coding side. So, uh, and then they still are, in fact. So I mentioned uh, the aim was to have it done in six months' time. Uh, we start. We started work on two point So the first feature of two point was was adding rich text editing because obviously it was one point was kind of basic in that area where you can just have one one font style in the text box and that's it. So that was that was a common request to be, to be able to do. You know, proper text styles and editing of, of text like you would in, uh, in some kind of program that allows you to edit text. <laughs> that was, when was that? 2012, I think, early 2012. So that's like seven years ago now. I and mean, that's just, just bonkers. So this that's what, what happened back then. Yeah, I hired this other guy. He was working like 10, 15 hours a week. I can't remember if I was aiming to also to be working, doing the coding with him at the same time, but somehow I just ended up I don't know, burnout or something, and uh, I just sort of ended shoving things onto him and letting him do it, and obviously things didn't progress. So instead, it was 
progressed about the same rate, basically, because there's still one person doing it. Even though there's two of us, I was doing other stuff. And then I think shortly after that, our, our first child came along. So things were pretty um, hectic. In version two, how much of the code that you wrote for version one is still there? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. There is there is a good amount because the, obviously the actual editing of the uh, the documents, the, the fretboard documents is the core of it is the same so if i, I mean the number of changes is is pretty intense so i'd, I'd have to have a look at that because they're, they're, where we keep the code the code repository they have like nice graphs that you can show you how many changes there's been over time and i'm sure it's sort of like there's like some peaks big peaks earlier on and and uh, like the last couple of years the, the graph has like shot up massively because there's so many more people working on it now yeah one of the things i really thinks powerful about neck diagrams is the community aspect to the program how much has that helped in developing the program and helping iron out bugs yeah definitely having the uh, the forum on the website it's been a good thing to have folks able to to talk all things neck, neck diagrams ask any questions that is, is a good place for us to put up tips and tricks and stuff like that but uh, it's definitely helped shape um some of the, di- the directions people it's a good place where someone can make some suggestions and other people say yeah we would really like that too so it's been definitely been a good thing how many users are there now of neck diagrams around the world and what can i take it they come from all corners of the world all over and it'd be interesting to do a little stat of how many different countries uh, folks are in but Obviously, the US is like uh, the, the, the biggest user base in the US and uh, probably then Europe uh, after that. I'm not sure which country would be the second top all over. So, you know, China, Japan. China. Australia, yeah, yeah. So not, yeah, not many from, from China, but uh, a few. I guess uh, maybe it would expand if we translated it into Chinese. I don't know. I'm amazed you don't have a map behind you with all the countries and all the users <laughs> so you can look at your empire. <laughs> so what were the I haven't shown you my little white cat yet have I no Mr Bond <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you come to a decision about the new features in Neck Diagrams 2 which is a huge update yes yeah it's obviously from the community lots of suggestions there why there's so many new features in there because partly because of promising too much stuff so i'm i'm always really happy yeah someone comes up with a great suggestion and say yeah yeah we'll do that and, and not realizing just how big a pile of stuff there is all of a sudden that we've got to, to add in, into the program so promising too much has definitely had an impact on how long it's taken to ship the next uh the, well this most recent release the major update version 2 was there anything that didn't make it into 2 that you wished you could have added yeah the biggest thing so uh, one of the other popular requests is like we've got a scale generator so obviously that we really need a similar thing for chords so like a, a chord wizard or a chord library and that's definitely something we're going to be um working on soonish once you know once things can't calm down Will that be added to Neck Diagrams or be a separate standalone program? And well, no, that would be that would be included. You know, whether that, you know, how soon that, that that's exactly that's the other thing. Promising too much and then saying, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll be, we'll have that available soon. So that's been an issue. And me constantly saying, yeah, we'll have the version two ready by the end of the year, and repeating that all every year for, for a number of years. So now I don't say try not to even guess when something would be available. Just um, say it's something we're going to do. We've got you know, a massive list of uh, 
so many fantastic ideas that people come up with that's, um, that we're going to be shoving in there. And like another popular request is to be to have some kind of basic tab support. So that was never going to make it into version two because that's actually a huge chunk of work. But yeah, so that's something we'd, we'd love to experiment with. But, uh, other things like we, we're going to be adding at some point uh, keyboard diagrams, you know, lots of different kind of diagrams. So also having like a, a stave you can drop on and, and maybe link it to a fretboard and then it will show you on the stave what the chord looks like or, or you can make it. You better watch, Justin. This sounds like it could grow into band in a box. <laughs> well, yeah, slightly different. To, exactly. I mean, it's not, yeah, this this isn't really at the moment. Uh, we've added the audio thing, but it's not really going to turn into some kind of workstation product because, yeah, that, that's a completely different kettle of fish. But, yeah, exactly. I mean, the aim is, is eventually to be like a an all-singing, all-dancing kind, you know, basically a, a, a good tool for uh, musicians to write music-related documents, yeah? So not mm-hmm. not just... Uh, or not focusing on on um, engraving kind of, of things like that when you're writing scores or whatever, but being able to being able to write uh, some text about a scale, show it on a stave, have a bit of tab that shows you how to play some lick in it, you know, this kind of stuff. Being able to do it all in one place, I think, would be fantastic because there, there really, I don't think, isn't anything like that at the moment. There's Guitar Pro, but it's a completely different product well that's exactly that's more like scoring engraving isn't it kind of thing where you're you're writing out a piece of music rather than uh, anything else and it's sort of morphing into a, a workstation as well isn't it is there a fear is maybe too strong a word but uh, a concern that the thing that makes this so strong is it's about fret diagrams and the more you add the further you could potentially get away from that well no because I, th- I think um that's obviously always going to be the uh, the primary focus. But I think there's so many things that go hand in hand with that that it, it will make it will add uh, a whole load of other useful features. Yeah, obviously we we don't want to depart too far from that where we sort of stop doing any kind of fretboard enhancements. But that's yeah, that's not going to happen because that obviously is the the, the core uh, focus. One thing that I've noticed is it took ten years to release number two, but there was quite a few updates, perhaps for critical bugs i know you can't be tied down because it's difficult to say but do you envisage as politicians see say a a reverse i don't envisage any circumstances do you envisage any circumstances where the release and upgrades and new versions actually speed up yeah definitely so i can't be doing 10-year major releases because that's that's no way to operate a business basically right so if if this thing is going to grow and build we have to have um, frequent sizable updates that uh, hopefully customers are going to be keen to have and, and willing to pay a small amount of money for. So that's partly an issue. So that sort of goes hand in hand with learning about marketing or the other side of things, uh, running a business, right? So uh, I definitely could have made version two should have been out much earlier, but because I promised so many things, um, decided to sort of keep with that vision and not turn it into version two, three, and four. I probably could have easily split it into much more frequent, larger updates, but um, I just decided to go with it for the time being and do what I promised effectively, stick to my word. Have you ever been tempted to release some of the code to other software, large software firms, for them to, in effect, license it off you and integrate it into their own systems, or is that just not possible? Never really talked about that with uh, with any any other company, so I, I don't know how that would work. Exactly. That that's all 
that starts to get difficult at a technical level, how, how you might integrate things. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably happier having my own product and uh, being in control of it myself rather than suddenly getting dictated to by some other firm that uh, decides it needs to go in a different direction and, uh, and it becomes something it was never meant to be. So in wrapping up about neck diagrams, the future, what do you see as the future for it? Yeah, as I mentioned, lo- lots of new things, tons of ideas, so like uh, basic tab editing would be fantastic, or rather being able to create a little bit of tab, so not score sheets kind of thing, but being able to you know, chuck on a riff or a lick or whatever that would demonstrate what your current scale or, or whatever your document's talking about. So, you know, features like that that sort of embellish the, the core diagramming thing, right? So uh, being able to understand the theory about what it is you're doing. So obviously having some stave notation, I think, would be good. Obviously always great to have more guitarists understand uh, musical notation rather than relying on tab. Have you ever thought about bringing it out as an app? So yeah, somehow I haven't mentioned that, have I? Yeah, we, we always get lots of requests for like an iPad uh, mobile version. So that's ever since the iPad came out, that's been on the to-do list. But yeah, because this has taken so long to get version two out, hopefully now and we, we can really start getting some traction on that and, and getting that going. That's the, yeah, that's definitely one of the big things uh, we'd, we'd love to do, but we need to figure out how much. That's that's the other issue is we have to basically rewrite it from scratch for, for these other platforms. So that that's going to be a large amount of effort and we have to figure out how much of the feature set we would be able to, to implement. So, you know, it's what would version one uh, of a mobile version actually look like. So certainly on a phone, I can't see that you'd have like a page that you would create fretboards dropping things. It's, it's going to be a different experience on a little phone screen. Tablet is probably going to be much more workable where uh, it would behave as it behaves at the moment. So, um, I mean, if it was a, a phone version, it would probably be like a quick way of inputting, uh, creating a fretboard and, and doing doing things with a fretboard rather than having like a document editing kind of thing. So, Have you ever considered a scenario where the program can listen, you can play a chord and it just pops it up? That's, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know how accurate I mean, there, there's software that's sort of transcribing software that will listen to things. I don't know how accurate they are. Um, certainly we've had requests from folks with MIDI guitars. I don't know how, I don't think they're that common out there, surely, MIDI guitars, where you could just, you know, play the chord, play the scale, and it would chuck it on the fretboard on the screen for you, which, uh, which um, you know, I'd love to do, but I'd, I'd probably have to invest a, a good bit of cash into buying some kit. I don't know what the cheapest uh, mini guitar. Well, it's all come down a lot, but I guess if you're tuned to standard tuning concert pitch, then it would be a case of the input equaling something which equaled a fretboard diagram, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, if you're just playing something, the other problem you have to figure out is, you know, fine, it's, it's probably not so hard as long as you're uh, playing it cleanly and I don't know if, if it works with distortion if you're playing on a clean sound then you can probably get the notes easier enough but then you have to figure out how you're going to know where someone's playing that that becomes the hard uh, if it's a chord you can obviously play it in like so many different positions Justin you could be part of a new making guitarists play better <laughs> not only notating but helping you play better 
<laughs> well, exactly. That's the, the magic bullet, isn't it? I suppose everyone wants, wants to be there. Yeah, I don't know exactly. There's, there's tons of things. I mean, there's even things like you were saying. One idea we had was to, to put in. I mean, some of the apps obviously do this kind of thing, but having like a ear training thing, obviously, where you can have a, a fretboard, well, or even just learning your notes, right? So you'd have a kind of a quiz where it pops up a fretboard, and you have to click as quickly as possible all the E's or whatever. Or all the uh, the G G sharps or you know whatever you've got uh, that kind of thing and, and click in like a dominant seventh arpeggio and you know you get a score so you could even that would be a good way I think to help people learn learn stuff like that where you, where you turn it into a bit of a game. Well, listen, it's been fascinating talking to you. I'm glad I'm a musician and not a programmer because it sounds like a <laughs> world of woes, to be honest. <laughs> I think you need a very specific mindset. I, I do remember years ago when I put uh, a website out called Band for the Day, which was fundamentally a huge calculating machine. And we had a, a glitch on launch and it turned out the programmer who was long suffering said oh millions of lines of code he said it came down to a semicolon or something that was in the wrong place and uh, i thought i could not do that job all i can say is most crazy little thing that's uh well well uh, from my perspective and the perspective of gmi you you're creating something you've created something that is has made publications that this company brings out just so much better it's it's absolutely fantastic that you've worked so long and so hard and on your own for most of the time and and really stuck with it it's obviously a labor of love but uh craziness or craziness (laughs) but i'm sure i talk for thousands and thousands of people around the world who say you you're you're doing the right thing and i hope you continue to do the right thing and and support this product because it's it's certainly changed the fortunes of this company in terms of how we can get information out to others. So, Justin, thanks very much for taking the time. I know you're a, a busy man with children and the business and all the rest of it. It's been a long time in coming to this interview, but I'm delighted that it's actually happened. Uh, thanks so much. Right, cheers. Bye. It was a very technical at times podcast interview. I hope you managed to stick there with it. It was a bit of an eye-opener for me, all the things you've got to think about when you're creating a programme, especially something that's as graphically rich as this one. And Justin has been doing it for so long, more or less on his own, until he's hired in new help. If you like the sound of neck diagrams and... There's no reason why you shouldn't. You've got to go over to the site, the GMI podcast page. We'll have links to the actual site. It's very, very reasonably costed. So, thanks so much for listening this to this edition. And hopefully I'll have your company on another GMI podcast coming soon with another guitar or guitar-related subject. This is Jed Brockie saying bye for now. Mm-hmm.